Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, welcome to the next in the series from Two Script Guys. My name is John, and I'll be your host this uh, cloudy Seattle afternoon. Uh, the clouds rolled in, uh, rolled in, and the temperature has dropped. It's very reasonable outside. Two Script Guys is a podcast talking about writing. This is the only podcast out there by writers, for writers, talking about writing and creativity. If you care to join us, we're here mostly every Sunday on talk show. And our dial-in number is 724-444-7444. And the call ID number is 110096. Please feel free to join us, or you can join the chat below. If you have any questions, we'll answer it here on the air. If you uh, want to contact, if you want to contact me, I am at two. That's two scriptguys at gmail.com. I'm also found uh, on the internet at www.twoscriptguys.com. And we're also available on YouTube at Two Script Guys and on Facebook, Two Script Guys, TWO Script Guys. So today we're going to be talking about plot blocking. It's, not, it's something that I've read about in the past, but it's not something that I'm truly familiar with. And in a recent article has appeared in The Talk House which obviously is an online magazine written by an independent filmmaker based in Austin, a man named Andrew Matthews. Again, if you have any questions, please write them at the bottom in the chat, and we'll be glad to address them. If you want to join the chat, uh, you can join and listen through the conversation, and we'll pick up all the questions, voice questions and everything at the end of the podcast. All right, let's get back to this. All right. As an independent filmmaker, you hear the word film is dead. And when people say that, they mean that a certain type of film is dead. A mid-range, budget, neither franchise nor art house. Most of my favorite films and the films that started me, Mr. Andrews speaking for himself, um, uh, that started me down this path fall into that spectrum. So as the era of mid-range movies fades away, the supposed rewards of the micro-budget struggle become increasingly unclear. I don't sure. I'm not sure. I agree or disagree with what he has to say there, but he he directly makes films. Um. So one of the questions comes up about rather than doing these mid-range budgets, then you create television, an episodic kind of television. And he's speaking with directly about the series Stranger Things, which was on um, on Netflix, and it um, was a very self-contained short television series of which the British excel in, the U.S. not so much, uh, basically because production companies are looking for 
you know, what's going to happen in in the third season, episode 15, you know, kind of thing. So short episode format or limited episode format television is not something that um, the U.S. specializes in. Having said that, Amazon and Netflix are approaching that systemology using the British model and, and are becoming very successful with it. So he talks about case in point, Stranger Things. He says, I understand why the show has a lot of supporters. The cast and production design are terrific, mostly sort of kind of. And I confess the reaction of the early Spielbergian aesthetic is seductive. I'm not opposed to nostalgia per se. Oh, by the way, the, the book, the story Stranger Things was written by Stephen um, King. Steve, Stephen King. Uh, let's see, he talks about but like any audience bias, it can be exploited, speaking to nostalgia. Uh, let's see, shows such as Stranger Things and FX's Fargo rec recognize that there's a reservoir of goodwill out there that can be tapped and transferred into new properties. I'm sure what he's talking about is the goodwill is respective of nostalgia from the 80s, the 70s, or what have you. Personally, I'm attracted to the 20s and the 30s, but that's just me. But there's one huge aspect of Spielberg's brilliance that Stranger Things doesn't or perhaps can't re recreate structure and pacing. This kind of, I'm going to speak, uh, this is John speaking, not Mr. Um, um, Matthews, but I, I'm very much a person who structures stories. I believe that plotting and structure, uh, need you need to do that before you start building your story. It's great to have a story, but it's better to know where you're going in your story and know how the story ends. Because you can, by plotting out your story in some way, and I'm, there are multiple formats of doing that, you at least know that you can drive to the end, or if you realize that's not the end you want, you can start moving the story around. He's tending to contend that there was very little plot in Stranger Things, and I, I'm not sure I agree with him, but I, I'm willing to read this article to you so that it allows you to make up your mind. He talks about Spielberg's classics are actually very simple stories. They're emotionally broad and fiercely economic. Each shot moves the story forward and nothing goes to waste. Absolutely true, Spielberg, yes. If you're staying loyal to the conventions, you can't stretch that 90 minutes into more than 300 without some serious padding and repetition. How many times do we have to see the cool guy seduce the nerdy girl? How many times will Eleven, this character in, in this in Stranger Things, you use the radio to prove Will is still alive or guide the boys into the woods and come back again with no new information to show for it? Why do you think people complain that Winona Ryder's weeping became tiresome? Because she was asked to perform the same emotion over and over again. Besides being frustrating, these repetitions actually dilute important moments. How much more exciting would it have been when the sheriff and Joyce infiltrate the evil government lab if we hadn't already seen him do it before? It even makes a joke about using the same method in the story. Yes. And he says, well, the other thing that I found interesting was when the sheriff snuck back in the second time and was caught by the same guy that had caught him the first time, why didn't they just shoot him? Uh, I didn't quite understand that. All right. I've actually found that the shows that are most binge-worthy are the most narratively stingy, meaning the plot, the structure and the plot, they're two different things, 
but the structure and the plot were very narrowly defined and very controlled. And I can understand that statement. Um, if you watch uh, Game of Thrones, that plot is very stingy. Everything has meaning. Everything that happens in Game of Thrones um, has purpose. It, that purpose may not be the next episode. It may be four or five episodes later, but it has purpose. Another series that you should watch that does exactly the same thing and, and very well is John Straczynski's Babylon 5. You'll watch Babylon 5 and you'll see a little side scene. And you'll think to yourself, well, okay, that's cute, but what does it mean? You won't find out until sometimes in the next season. Now, John Straczynski is very plot-oriented. And Ms., but Mr. Um, Matthews goes on here. He says, when, um, when Jonathan finally finds proof that his mother isn't crazy, he rushes home to have that emotional reunion we've been waiting for, but his dad stops him. Don't bother her right now. She's been through a lot. I call that plot blocking. And he says, Jonathan's dad is an expert plot blocker. Jonathan doesn't grow or change to overcome this obstacle. He just literally tells her later, what purpose can that serve other than to make us wait for what we want to see? Interesting. Delay of audience gratification has been a stable of episodic storytelling for a long time, but no show advanced the practice more than the God, grandfather of plot blocking lost. Which I really only watched the first couple of seasons. Of, so if you're an expert in Lost, you'll understand, I guess, what, what Mr. Andrews is talking about here. Uh, Mr. Matthews are in there. No matter how well written the various flashbacks often were, the writers knew that was what kept us hooked to the mystery of the island. And that storyline was illiberally meted out in capsules of water to a thirsty man, just enough to keep us alive. I've actually found that the shows are the most binge-worthy, are the most narratively stingy, as above. You start each new episode almost out of frustration, hoping it will deliver a morsel of satisfaction to inch it forward progress. Now, near the finale of Breaking Bad, Walter White confesses that all the cruelty and criminality was selfish. I did it for me. I liked it. He may have well been speaking for the audience because the central draw of that show was seeing that this character evolve into a ruthless badass. But for every two steps forward in this transformation, there was one step back. How many times did Walter swear off the meth business only to be controlled or seduced back? Did any of us believe he ever meant it? So well stoked was that furnace of frustration that actress Anna Gunn received volumes of hate mail and even death threats for her portrayal of Walter's disapproving spouse, Skylar. Oh, just an aside, this is coming from John. You're watching a film. The actor or actress is doing a great job in, a, in this film. Television series, I call it a film. I'm a little old school there. So you're watching this actor or actress doing a great job, doing what their job, they're being paid to do. Don't write them a nasty letter telling them how much you hate them. Really? That's a waste of your time, and it really doesn't interest them. I'll tell you the people that interest are the security people that the studio has hired to protect the actor or actress. They're the ones that read your letter, and they're the ones that will come knocking on your door. So don't do that. They're, it's a job. The actor or actress are doing a job. They're not that way when they go home. They're regular people. They go to the grocery store. They you know, mind the kids. They 
you know, write the check for the mortgage. They do all those things. It's a job. So hold back the letters to actors and actresses about the way, the, the character they've portrayed. Now, if you don't like the character, that's up to you. But if you don't like their acting in, as that character, that's up to you. But hold back the letters. Just don't. If you don't like the way the script is going, write a letter to the producer. Producers do read those letters, and they, they don't respond all the time, but they do respond. At least they pay attention. Well, it goes on. While there are surely some ugly gender politics at play, it can't help that a character often functions as a major agent of obstruction to the plot development the audience eagerly desired. Mr. Matthews goes on. It's important to note that female characters have long been employed as plot blockers by both film and TV rather writers, whether it's the scold who tries to stop the boy's fun or the damsel in distress who just can't see that, that, uh, that their hero is well-intentioned and trying to help. But there's a whole other essay. That's a whole other essay in itself, which is true. It's worthy, worthy of a discussion. Herring shows such as, the, such as The Walking Dead often place transitions, commercials, and episode breaks at the height of the action. Well, that's been true of movies and uh, serial movies and television since they've been in existence. Cliffhangers are nothing new, and running scenes through crests rather than troughs can have its own kind of impact. But at what cost? Two of the most memorable action sequences from recent TV, The Red Wedding from Game of Thrones and True Detective's uh, one-take escape from the projects did not leave their locations once they started, and both has audiences completely riveted. Although I will admit those audiences were probably less inclined to immediately queue up to the next episode. I wouldn't agree with that at all. Um, it's interesting he talks about plot blocking, going back to the using women as plot blockers. Um, so the, the film The Walking Dead, which I really have not watched, um, there's the, the other series uh, that accompanies it from uh, that was based in Los Angeles. Um, and for the life of me, I can't really remember what it's, it's titled like The Walking Dead. Um, well, I don't want to belabor that, but in any case, it's actually it was it's it's a companion piece to The Walking Dead. Uh, there's a female character in it that is in effect a plot blocker. Um, you know, she tries to. Be, I understand the role she's playing. She tries to be the voice of reason in the midst of all this insanity. But it comes out that basically, when she stops the hero from killing the bad guy because that would be a bad thing to do, she's plot blocking. Yes. So he talks about The People versus O.J. Simpson, which I've never seen, so uh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go into that paragraph. But he talks about one of the rare complaints I hear against Stranger Things is that the mythology could have been more developed. After all, they certainly had the time to give us more detail about what the upside down is, or what the monster wanted, or how telepathy works in this universe. But on the other hand, 
that may stray too far from the genre it imitates. We never learn E.T.'s real name or the name of his planet or what his people were doing on Earth in the first place. We now call world building was less important to the genre than emotional art. What we now call world building was far less important to the genre than emotional art. Okay, I got that. Which is, it's interesting he writes that because I deal with a lot of local authors who write in the, the world of science fiction and fantasy. And true to life, they use the world building as this immense MacGuffin to run their uh, their story. And it really turns into uh, how much they uh, how much are you willing to, how much time are you willing to spend to world build versus uh, telling telling me a story? And the same thing goes on. I've got to admit, Stranger Things cut out a lot of that world building. It went straight to the point. It kept driving forward. Um, This is where Stranger Things' loyalty to its influence limits its use of one advantage episodic content that it has over film and its language. If film is visual storytelling, television is verbal. I've heard that description before. As much cinemagraphic spectacle has been poured into Game of Thrones, it's still 99% people standing in rooms talking to one another. A silent film can make a poetic statement about the human condition, but if you want to delve into the intricacies of history or institutions, or for that matter, extra-dimensional worlds, you need words and a lot of them. And that's where television's extra minutes pay off. What extra minutes? Anyway, and why the best examples of the format are usually about politics, law, media, and social order. That's why Pride and Prejudice, the miniseries, beats the pants off the film adaptations, why a two-hour telling of the O.J. Simpson trial wouldn't be worth making, and why even Oscar-winning dramas like Spotlight feel like abridged versions of history compared to what television can accomplish. Hmm. I'm not sure I agree with Mr. Matthews on that, but regardless. I marvel at what great showrunners are capable of. Writers such as David Chase and David Simonovic uh, upended expectations rather than pandering to them, creating new genres rather than imitating old ones. Hmm. I can't imagine how difficult it must be to manage so many moving parts, do justice to such volumes of detail while remaining relevant to the audience of that moment in time. Um, and Mr. Matthews goes on, I've, said the better, I, I've spent the better part of my life trying to figure out what makes a film work. Oh, so have I. And I still feel like I'm a, I have a long way to go. Yes, we all do. I'm not ready to abandon that journey quite yet for a whole new tool set. No. If you, if you don't learn and grow, you ain't learning, and you ain't growing. Anyway, perhaps someday all our stories will be delivered episodically. I doubt it. But for now, I can still think there's an emotional experience that can only be had in a self-contained 90-minute form. After all, one from 30 years ago is still inspiring new generations of creators. And I, I don't know what film he's talking about there. Contained, so contained in a 90-minute form. If he means motion pictures, they're 90-plus minutes to about 120. Um, it's an interesting article. Again, this article was at the Talk House, the Talk House, uh, slash stranger, stranger Things Problem Plot Blocking. And I don't know anything about this. Uh, magazine. Um, obviously, it's film and 
some entertainment and podcasts and um, interesting. I think I will bookmark it. Okay. So that was the article talking about uh, plot blocking. So again, if you want to join the discussion, we're at 724-444-7444. And the call ID, the call ID number is 110096. You can email John at TWO to scriptguys at gmail.com. You can also call John if you have questions at 626-548-8319. Leave a message and I will get back with you as soon as I can. So, having gone through that, uh, let's go to the open mic. So we have one guest. Uh, guest three, you are on. What's your question? I didn't have a question. I'm just listening to the broadcast. Okay, very good. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So, if you are a writer and you want to in, um, develop your skills, you can go to twoscriptguys.com and we offer a number of services, both basic screenwriting services uh, for editing and spelling checks and this kind of thing. Uh, for the right price. We also offer uh, career coaching um, in various uh, at various levels. Uh, it's all based on uh, from the most economical to the most expensive. But we um, provide a whole series of career coaching experiences for the writer. So if you're interested in any of that, please feel free to go to Two Script Guys, www.twoscriptguys.com, and take a look at that. Um, Let's see if this works now. No, something's... Now, something's not going well with the, the screen. So, hope you have enjoyed the uh, podcast today. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to send me an email. Or you can find, again, find me on Facebook at Two Script Guys. That's T W O Script Guys. Uh, that can be found um, uh, easily, or you can uh, find me uh, under. Um, John, screenwriter John Lovett, L-O-V-E-T-T. And you can also uh, ask me questions there. Again, Two Script Guys is available on YouTube uh, under Two Script Guys. We're also on Blogger under Two Script Guys. So if you're interested in um, any of those sources, uh, there's a lot of blogs, basic information about screenwriting I've put up there on my blog. So if you're interested, please give them a read. So, 
Thank you for attending today. Have a nice weekend. And why are you listening to me? Go right. Have a great weekend. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.